Hey, it's Kim Commando today, your daily podcast to keep you up to date with all things digital and beyond. And I'd love to have you be a part of our podcast. You can make an appointment to speak with me. Just head over to commando.com and on the top right, there's a button that says email Kim. Fill that out and that's it. I always like to start with something that maybe you can use to impress your family and friends. And there's a woman by the name of Susan Wojcicki, and she's the CEO of YouTube. And she has been for the last nine years and she's stepping down. YouTube did almost $30 billion in advertising revenue last year. It accounts for 10% of Google's parent company, Alphabet's total sales. I mean, so YouTube's a big, big part of this company. But what I find interesting is that Susan was Google's 16th employee. She was also Google's first landlord. That's a little fun fact for you. Back in 1998, she rented out her garage in Menlo Park, California, uh, to Google's co-founders for about $1,700 a month. Wow, isn't that something? Hey, in other CEO news, the CEO of IKEA has just been appointed as the Prime Minister of Sweden. Yes, and he's currently assembling his cabinet. Oh, yes. Now, you might notice my voice is a little raspy today. No, I did not go to a concert last night and scream a lot. I just got a little bit of a cold. And having a cold and being a national radio host is like the worst thing. So just bear with me as we get through the show. Hey, listen, you've tapped into the nation's largest, most trusted and fun show and podcast about all things digital. And if you're a new listener, welcome. We're totally glad to have you with us. And if you're already a listener, welcome back. You can find my award-winning show on over 425 top radio stations across the United States. And we're streaming in your favorite radio app. Just search for my last name, Commando. And we're streaming on demand 24-7 as a podcast, as a webcast over at GetKim.com. And a special thank you goes out to all of our listeners on the American Forces Network Radio. Our T-Mobile Unlimited listener line is now open at one 825 5254 is the way to join us. And if you have a question but you're just too shy to come on a big-time radio show and podcast, I get that. Head over to Commando.com, and in the upper right-hand corner, there's a link that says Email Kim. All right, every single day, I am all over the internet visiting at least 30 different sites to make sure that you and I are both up to date on all things digital. And this is part of the show where I like to pass along five numbers that you may see in the headlines and what exactly it means to you. And the first number on our list is infinite. What did she say? Infinite? That's right. That's the amount of data that your phone is collecting about you. So why is that number infinite? Well, every time you use your phone, you just go ahead and pass along more data points to everybody who's tracking you. Now, the reason why I bring this up is that if you get your phone in China, you can forget all about that. A new study from the University of Edinburgh says that Chinese devices just send a scary amount of data back to Chinese service providers. Okay, that's a given. Okay, but even when those phones visit other countries like the United States with better privacy laws, the phones are still passing along that data. So researchers found that these apps send sensitive information without any consent, like GPS coordinates, name, personal relationships, anything that they do on the phone. So the reason why I bring this up to you, because you're like, Kim, we're not in China. Hey, I know that, okay, and I have no plans to go to China. Uh, if you communicate with someone who owns a phone from China, then your information can be passed to those companies without you even knowing. So the brands to look out for, OnePlus, Shumei, APAO, and RealMe. And do not buy these phones on Amazon or eBay. And I know you might be tempted because they're cheap. They're cheap because they're getting all your data. Uh, number two on our list, five phones that are worth money. So I want you to look through your closets, look through your desk drawers and see what you can find. A first-gen iPhone 
unopened in the box. It can sell for, they say, $50,000 at an auction. Uh, second gen, 1100 Okay, that's, that's, that's even if you didn't open it. I know you used it too. Uh, how about the Motorola Dynatac 8000X? It was released in 1983. Remember those? Those are the big brick phones. Uh, $1,000 or maybe $10,000. And it only made phone calls. Remember that? Uh, then we have the CityMan 900. It was the first mobile phone. It was uh, made by Nokia in 1987. It's worth about $3,500. And a Motorola Razor phone. Oh, my gosh. I loved that phone. Uh, mine was hot pink. It's worth about $200. Uh, next on our list, number three, $1.3 billion. What's going on with that? If you're on Tinder, Hinge, Bumble, anything like that, you get a message from someone asking you for money for a sick friend or a jailed relative. That's a major dating red flag. And believe it or not, uh, that's the most common message that romance scammers send. It accounts for 24% of all messages when they start asking for money. Uh, let's see, 70,000 people got scammed out of $1.3 billion last year. Now, these scammers aren't only asking for money. Maybe they're going to say, hey, give me some money because we can make some investments together. That's about 18%. Uh, sextortion, where they're saying that, you know, you send me a naked picture and then you send them a naked picture and then they say we're going to send it to all your friends and relatives and post it online. Uh, that's also way up there. But the people most likely to fall for that are 18 to 29, just to let you know. Now, I, you know, speaking of texting, I got to tell you the story because I'm still trying to figure this out. I know he did it just as a joke, but I'm figuring out how I can get him back. So if you have an idea of how I can get my husband back, um, I want you to reach out to me and let me know. Because I was on the sofa just sitting next to my husband. Uh, he was having a little snack and he was on his phone. So I had my phone in the kitchen. It was charging. And then my phone rings. And so I got up. I went to the kitchen. And there I got a text message from my husband that said, when you come back to the family room, could you pre please bring the salt and pepper? Okay. I was like, oh, you dog. So if any of you listening have an idea on how I can get him back, I want you to let me know. Oh, number four on our list. One, as in I'm number one. Now, if you go on Twitter, you see a lot of posts from Elon Musk. You're not being crazy. He now gets first place in your Twitter feed, number one, because after all, he is in charge of Twitter. It all started on Super Bowl Sunday. Elon Musk sent a tweet out about how he supports and loves the Philadelphia Eagles, and so did President Biden. What Biden's tweet got 29 million views. Elon's, oh, just a measly 9.1 million before he removed it. So apparently he was really upset about this. He threatened to fire engineers, and then now they're saying, okay, they're going to boost his tweets by a factor of 1,000. You know, and so he says that he now he's saying like, oh, that never happened. OK, uh, I never told anybody that. And so that was the most recent news. But I still think that he's I think he's inflating his tweets. I mean, after all, I mean, he paid like 40 billion dollars for it. I think he has the right to do it. Hey, by the way, did you know that both the Golden Gate Bridge and the Brooklyn Bridge that they have Twitter accounts? Well, they used to. Now they're suspended. Suspended bridges. Okay, finally this. We're moving on. Number five, $50,000. Okay. You know how it is after you get a job interview, you're anxious, you're waiting for the next email to pop up saying, okay, now you got to do this, you got to do that. Well, a woman posted to Reddit that she was in that position. She got an exciting email back from a company that she interviewed with. But when she opened it, she's like, what's going on in this? Well, it was a mistake. She really should not have received the email. Because 
in the email, it was the company talking to each other saying, well, I mean, she's okay, but I don't, I mean, she's looking for a 55 to 60 grand. I don't think she's really worth it. I mean, I think she would probably accept $53,000. Did you see where she lives? I mean, come on. I mean, that's a big seller for where she lives. So then she got this email and she's like, well, you know, I'm going to show them. So she didn't say anything about it. She went to the second interview and she said, you know what? I got your email, folks. I would never, ever, ever want to work for a company like you. I mean, after all, she was thinking about being a scuba dive instructor. But deep down, she realized it also wasn't for her. That was okay. You can work with me scuba diving deep down. All right, still to come, how to earn cash on the side with some online surveys. We're going to talk about the stupidest tech patents. And then if you want to liven up those Google Docs, we have some free templates. And also uh, the smart way to buy secondhand on Amazon. And we have all of your phone calls. And you have me, Kim Commando. I read this fascinating story the other day about how emojis are being used in courtrooms to decide cases. And I was like, you know, I never really thought about that. So to tell us more about it is Eric Goldman. He's a law professor at Santa Clara University School of Law. Okay, we all love emojis, but you know that they can have some double meanings. Like, let's look at a peach emoji. Mm, Yes, if you have a nice peach, right? Uh, What if a knife emoji actually showed up in a court case? Could you decipher its meaning and intent? Because in more and more courtrooms throughout the country, this issue is totally popping up. Like, for example, is a text that has high heels and a money bag next to it with it that says teamwork makes the dream work? And I know I say that so much here in the office and I was like, oh, my gosh, I, maybe I shouldn't say that anymore. Is it enough to imply a relationship between a prostitute and a pimp? Well, it was enough. Uh, the person who texted it was sent to prison for four years. Or how about if a man texts his ex-girlfriend a pistol emoji? Is that a real threat? Well, in one court case in France, it was. And that man was sentenced to three months in prison. And joining us talking about this trend that's happening in law cases throughout the country is Eric Goldman. And Eric is a law professor at Santa Clara University School of Law. Hello there, Eric. Hi, thanks for having me. So what was the craziest case that you've ever come across with emojis in the courtroom? I think I find this so fascinating. Um, emojis show up in hundreds of court opinions, but men, most of time they're not analyzed. They're just referenced as part of the evidence. So we actually have a fairly small corpus of cases that talk about and analyze emojis. The craziest one I can think of is where a person submitted evidence showing an emoji that they thought they had seen, um, but the depiction wasn't consistent with their story about how they generated that screenshot. And as a result, it came to light that actually the screenshot had been fabricated. And it was uh, um, discovered because the emoji was using a, a, the wrong very version of an emoji. So it was basically like a form of oh, emoji gosh. forensics. They could figure out the mistake. <laughs> so, so every year we have new emojis. <laughs> and then they used an older version. Is that what happened? Yeah. So in this case, it was with um, an Apple device. And so the, uh, the particular version of emoji that was used had changed over uh, the course of Apple's uh, emoji history. And so she had claimed she was using an older device, but the emoji that was depicted was only available on the newer device. And that then started to catch, uh, expose the lie. And so, you know, you bring up an interesting point about text messages. Uh, so often I get the question here on the show, like, how do I save my text messages? Because I want to make sure in case I do need to bring them into a court case, 
How often do, are you running across where people are actually taking the time to save their text messages and said they just go into the, like I like to say, the intergalactic bit bucket? Or, or can the carriers actually get these text messages back? Uh, you know, uh, text uh, message storage isn't an expertise of mine, um, but I will tell you in the case I mentioned, actually part of the problem is that she said her phone had been destroyed. And so she submitted this evidence, but without actually turning over her phone so that the, um, the opposition could take a look and see if they could find the message. So the, this question about where do you get the source of particular uh, evidence, um, this is a pretty common one in court cases. You know, have you ever run across a case where the emoji made the difference between jail time or not? Um, yes. Um, and uh, I'll call your attention specifically to one of several cases where emojis have been used by teens. Um, and so the teens are uh, chattering with each other the way that they talk. Um, but they're doing it online in a way that's stored and often has emojis that might not mean what they they look like they mean or what we assume they mean. Um, and so um, uh, in one case, a, uh, a, a, a daughter was was complaining about her relationship with her mother, and she used a, um, a bunch of really hateful statements towards her mother. But there were emojis mm -hmm. attached to them. And the court said, you know, the emojis make it seem like she didn't really mean all these hateful things that she said. We aren't going to treat it as if she really intended to go and cause harm to the, to the mother, like her text message text actually suggested. And so in a sense, then, the emojis helped recontextualize the conversation and kept her out of jail. Well, that's something. Are, are there certain emojis that criminals use? <laughs> you gave a good example in your introductory remarks. You mentioned, for example, that high heels and money bags um, have a particular meaning in the sex trafficking context that they don't mean elsewhere. You didn't mention another one was a crown emoji. And every time I use a crown emoji, which isn't often, I get nervous for the same reason you got nervous about the teamwork, teamwork makes a dreamwork statement. <laughs> um, but in fact, uh, emojis develop slang meanings regularly. That's true with all other forms of human communication. It's not unusual to emoji. And so there's plenty of emojis that have drug, uh, I'm sorry, criminal slang um, that we may not be aware of if we're not in that community. So, for example, many emojis have drug contacts um, that uh, that I don't know about because I'm not in that particular market, um, but that is well understood among a group of people um, uh, in the market about criminal activity. So did you ever, would you ever have thought, go back to your 20-year-old self, that you'd be uh, a professor of law focusing on emojis? You know, actually, um, I'm going to say maybe, and I'm going to give you evidence why it's not a, just a, a completely um, ridiculous idea. Um, I first taught my, um, I first taught an internet law course back in 1996. At the time I was 28. Um, and I included in my course materials for that class, there was no book at the time that would would be suitable. But in, in my course materials, I included a glossary of emoticons because I thought they were so important to 
the way in which people were talking online that I thought my students need to know something about emoticons. So, um, yeah, it's a little crazy to think that I've, I've spent so much time, you know, I'm getting a chance to talk to Kim Commando about emojis. Um, but emojis or the predecessor emoticons have actually been an integral part of how I've thought about internet law now for decades. Well, Eric, thank you so much for um, enlightening us about emojis and law. I'm sure that I'm not the only one who, who thought, like, how could these two worlds actually collide? But it does make perfect sense. Well, it's a real honor to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. You know, I never, ever really thought about emojis being used this way. Like cocaine is a snowflake. Uh, different types of drugs are maybe like diamonds. If you're dealing drugs, you have an eight ball. Uh, weed is sometimes leaves or four-leaf clovers. Sexting is all different kinds of emojis. Ecstasy are like aliens. Ketamine is a horse. Uh, we have a whole list of these, by the way, over at commando.com in case you want to check it out. Hey, we're going to be talking about the stupidest tech patents with our amazing content queen, Ali Seligman. So stay right where you are. All right, coming up in just a few moments, you want to liven up your Google Docs and tell you how you can get some great free templates. And then later on, how you can buy secondhand on Amazon and save some big bucks. And joining us right now here on the Kim Commando Show is our amazing content queen, Allie Seligman. Hello Hi, there, Allie. I'm not really sure what happened. I got this cold, but, I, but I'm not congested. It's just like in my, it's like this is the worst thing a radio host could ever have <laughs> wrong with them is their voice. I'd rather have a headache. Uh, I do. Don't you you think? still sound pretty good, though. You're just a little more soulful this week. Yeah. Ooh, maybe it's maybe I can get like a that side hustle, like oh, come on, baby, <laughs> baby, baby. All right. So now you've been out scouring, looking at tech patents because you, I am doing. You're like these are the there are the <laughs> dumbest tech patents I've ever seen. Okay. So tell there us about the first. There are so one. many dumb ones out there. I love this. Uh, this is held by Sony. They filed a patent to turn inanimate objects, including a banana into a game controller. I don't know why you would need Wait, a banana what? to be a game controller. I don't think that would last very long to you. Yeah. No, it wouldn't. I mean, even if you buy green bananas, <laughs> you know, I, I still think I it's would not it then become long. a banana bread controller, maybe? Maybe. Yeah. Ooh. A part of the reason, by the way, that tech companies have so many patents and they do. I'll tell you how many some of the big ones have is because they incentivize their employees to do this. They will give you a cash bonus if you think of something that leads to a patent. Uh, Apple, they offer up to $4,000. Uh, Google offers up to $10,000 nice. for a patent. So that's why they come up with all these uh, harebrained ideas. And some are great, but some are not. Yes. Of course. Of course. Another one. Now, this isn't a tech company, but I had to include it because it's just pretty absurd. Uh, this is from Louisiana Tech University. They have a patent on how to organize files into folders on a computer. <clears throat> Wait, yeah, what? Yeah. <clears throat> Apparently, me too. Uh, it describes the process of how software can automatically put files into folders, not particular software, just in general, that this can happen. Okay, cool. Oh, nice. You know, I wonder if they have that patent, do they get royalties? Uh, from any of the big companies. That is also why a lot of patents exist, right? We all know the term patent trolls, which is basically someone who patents something so that they can then try to sue you and maybe scare you into exactly. giving them some money. I like to think Louisiana Tech isn't doing that, and uh, they just they <laughs> yes, just wanted the patent. <laughs> By the way, this won the EFF's uh, Stupid Patent of the Month Award. 
Another recipient was IBM because in 2017, they patented out-of-office email. <laughs> in 2017? And you know what? I think people were sending out-of-office email way, way before 2017. Yes. I, I know, how did they do that? I mean, or how did they? Because no one I else mean, had done it. I mean, somebody at the patent office, I mean, maybe somebody at the patent office never got an out-of-the-office email. Maybe I mean, so. what's uh, going on? That also won the Stupid Patent of the Month Award. And the best part is a few days later, IBM donated the patent to the public <laughs> because they got oh, embarrassed. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Let's look at Amazon. They have about 25,000 patents. Oh, First up, a delivery blimp. Yes, a blimp. They call it an airborne fulfillment center, which sounds kind of cool and futuristic, right? It would deploy yes, drones. It would act as a drone charging center. So basically imagine, you know, this new space life we live where we've got a huge floating blimp with all our Amazon products. They also have, kind of on the other side of things, a patent for an underground network for delivery. I kid you not, this thing has tunnels, conveyor belts, vacuum tubes. So... I guess if we have to go live underground, Amazon wins the shipping game there, too. You know, I, I did see a video once of the Amazon yeah. blimp, and they had drones coming in and out <laughs> of the blimp delivering things. And I remember thinking, you know, it's it's you know, it sounds far fresh, but I, I could actually see too. that happening. I, I mean, where where you would have like the most commonly purchased things yeah. in, in this area and then you'd have like a drone go up. I mean, it would totally solve that whole last <laughs> mile problem. But then, of course, you'd have people, they'd be like skeet shooting for prizes, you know, like, yeah, it feels yes, like a big what could you know, go wrong situation. And I could think of a lot <laughs> that could go wrong. Uh, perhaps Amazon's most ridiculous patent. 2014, they were awarded a patent to take photos in front of a white background. Yes, as you can imagine, photographers, all photographers were. A little bit like, uh, right. wait, what? How? There is a little more specificity, and there are certain light, certain camera equipment, but, I mean, come on. This one's a little bit ridiculous. Google has to make our patent list. Google has 80,000 patents that they filed for, 30,000 of which were granted. <laughs> so they shoot their shot. They don't always get it, but, you know, that's a lot. The odds, you know what, they're, you know yeah. what, they're, they're doing pretty good for 80000 Now, this is on the list because I just had to. We, maybe instead of stupid, we'll say it's brilliant, although we don't really like it for our privacy, right? The patent is called Advertisements Based on Weather Conditions. And they filed this way back in 2012, which is the tech that allows Google to detect where you are and the weather and market you certain things based on it. So here in Phoenix, I get flip-flops. Everybody else, you get a winter coat, right? <laughs> So not exactly, exactly. stupid, but uh, pretty invasive. Yeah. Apple. How many patents do you think Apple has? Okay, well, they have 80,000. Well, 80, 80 that they 30, filed 000. for, so 30,000. Google has 30. How many active patents okay. for Apple? Is that Apple? I'm going to say, um, I'm going to say 45. 55. They patent everything. Oh. Good guess, though. Uh, the shape of an iPhone, a rectangle with rounded corners, that's patented. Yep. Uh, what about this? A glass staircase. I didn't know uh, they were really in the architecture game, but yes, they patented glass staircases in 2003 because they have those in their stores. And then in 2013, they patented spiral glass staircases because they put one of those in too. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, another nice. Apple. 
the bag. The patent is literally just called bag. And this is for their 60% recyclable bags. Uh, why patented? Oh, okay. They say that because they are 60% recyclable and not all flimsy and crappy like other bags, it's worth a patent. And I guess someone agreed because they got that patent. We can't talk about dumb patents without ending with Facebook. Oh, oh. I love Facebook. Facebook is the greatest company. <laughs> no, hey, they give us a lot Facebook. of fodder to talk it's about, stand right? They do. You know what? They do. Absolutely. One, I just, I, what did I read last, just the other day, that Mark Zuckerberg's uh, personal security is up this year to Whoa. $4 million a year. Just down his, his personal security, $4 million bucks a year. Um, I guess a lot of people don't like him. Or maybe, you know, probably a race going after him is like, Mark, you closed down my Facebook account. I cannot get in, right? <laughs> What's going oh, on? Facebook.com slash hacked. That's why he started that. Okay. Facebook, 2015, they patented tech that lets banks and lenders use social media to decide if they should give you a loan. Now, are they rating your selfies? Uh, is this how annoying your posts are? No, they're actually looking at your friends and seeing what their credit scores are to decide if they should give you money too. Hmm. Uh, I guess they're thinking maybe if you can't pay your loans, your friends can help. But uh doesn't seem um, right. Well, they're probably, yeah, probably thinking like, you know, if, if yes, you're a deadbeat, absolutely. you're hanging out with other deadbeats and you're a credit risk. You know, but yeah. insurance companies are doing that. I mean, they're going, looking at your social media to see if like you're posting car pics of you spinning out and doing crazy stuff like that. And so it's it wouldn't be... I guess yeah, I'm not yeah. that surprised that the banks are probably looking at it, too. I mean, you know, think of all the data oh. points that Facebook has on just about everybody. And But I, I love how people always complain about Facebook, but then they don't <laughs> leave it, right? I mean, it's like, it's, it's like, you know, I hate Facebook, but I'm still on it, you know? I mean, like, you know, we're at Facebook.com slash Kim Commando, right? I mean, we have the show there, and I have a personal account there. And, um, but you know what I did recently? As I sat on my phone, I went to our Instagram account, and I don't know, for some reason, that account was following 205 <laughs> people. So every time I would go on, I'd see like 205, like, I mean, I don't even know who, okay. like, you know, half of these people are. I mean, probably a quarter <laughs> of the people I maybe even had heard of. So I just wiped oh. everybody out. And so, and just, I mean, I just deleted everybody. So now we're following <gasps> two people, Okay. <laughs> I'm following Ian because I'm his mom. <laughs> and there's a count. I don't know if I can say this on the air. And there's an account called, well, I think I can. <laughs> but I don't know if I can. Get to it. It's, um, it, okay, I, you know what? Okay. You should follow this account. It's called, you know, like, you know okay, you know what? So, well, I can say it. You know what? When somebody's online yeah. and they're showing off and saying, like, how great they are or this get-rich-quick scheme or whatever, they call themselves okay, their, uh -huh. their ballers, right? Okay. Okay. So there's this Instagram account called Baller <laughs> Busters. And I think this is like the funniest thing because what they'll do is they'll like, they'll like grab clips of Grant Cardone talking about how buying real estate is a bad investment. You should never buy real estate. It's bogus. All this other stuff. And then the Baller Busters will come up where it's like they'll put up, uh, Grant Cardone just bought a new house in Miami, and he just bought this, and he just bought this. So anyway, so um, yeah, so those are amazing. My, the two yeah, if you're on Instagram, right maybe don't search for that because you might get some weird stuff. Instead, 
go over to Instagram.com slash Kim Commando, go to the yes. followers, and you can find it. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can see exactly where they are. And you have to request oh, to follow thanks. them, too, by the way. Is that, that yeah, that you've got to, because the account's locked down. Um, Allie, great job as always. Um, and what do we have coming up at Commando.com? Oh, we have so much good stuff. Now, week. we have talked a lot about our Opt Out Tuesday series, and we are expanding big time. So we already did this week how to get your information from Samsung, everything they know about you, Adobe. And we are going to tackle all the big tech companies. So if you're that person who is sick of knowing just how much Apple or Google or Microsoft knows about you, we're going to help you fix it. And again, that's opt-out Tuesday every single, what day of the week would that be? <laughs> Tuesday. Yes, opt-out Tuesday at commando.com. Great job as always, Allie. Thanks for being here. All right, if you're using Google Docs, you know, you ought to be checking out the free template so you don't have to start from scratch. Uh, some places where you want to go, template.net. They have this huge selection. You can have 100 downloads, any file format. They've got stock images, fonts, artwork. It does cost a few bucks a month. There's also Goo Docs. Yeah, not Google Docs, Goo Docs. And they also have free templates that you can be, I think you can edit, whether it's a Google Docs sheet or even a, a slide PowerPoint presentation, whatever it may be. So in case you're looking for some free templates to get your business started, even a resume, uh, what you want to do is head over to commander.com and hit the link that says Kim's show. All right, still to come, we have more of your phone calls as well as some tips on buying secondhand on Amazon here on the Kim Commando Show. Hey, listen, join 400,000 folks who get our free newsletter every single day. It takes just five minutes to read it. It's 100% free. You can unsubscribe at any time and sign up now at commando.com slash get free tips. Commando.com slash get free tips. Hey, Mike, you're up next here on the Kim Commando Show. Hey, Kim, it's great to talk to you. Thank you very much for taking my call. I love your show. You're so knowledgeable. I'm, I'm so happy to talk to you. Well, thank you, Mike. I am. I'm here. Glad that you're here too. So, what's going on? Hey, you know, I, you're the only person that I honestly think can save me here. Um, I've got a pair of older Bow 901 speakers. They're like Series Five or Series Six, so they're not the oldest of the old, but they're still like. 30 years old, give or take. And when, when the person came to install the speakers, they they said, you know, we're going to be lucky, you know, to hook it up with this receiver that's also equally 30 years old. I don't want a 30-year-old receiver. <laughs> okay, well. I, I want to be able to use, like, my iPhone and, sure. you know, Bluetooth, iTunes to the, the, the receiver. I, I need a solution. I, I I can't I can't find an answer no matter well, what. Well, here let me tell you is that you have come to the right place. Okay, fear not, dear dear Michael, because when you sent an email, is that I went over to our IT geniuses, and I have two IT geniuses. These are the two guys that I go to when I have a question, Mike. Right. And one in particular, IT genius Jeremy, well, John is amazing, and so is Jeremy. Jeremy has some broadcast engineering background, but he doesn't like me to know that. Okay. As a matter of fact, because he, like, he, like, hides that skill set from me. He does. 
And so, well, of course, because then you're going to use them all the time. Exactly. But you know what? But over time, he's let it slip, and I've given him some things. And let me tell you, he's got this studio running because I mean, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. I mean, he's the guy. So anyway, so Jeremy sat down, and he has figured out everything that you need. He's figured out the receiver, uh, the pre-out RCA, uh, and how you're going to cook all that up, how, how you're going to leave them connected, you're going to turn the input into it, and then you control everything from the new receiver. And he just kind of he wrote this whole thing up for me to show me exactly how this would work. So what I'm going to do, Mike, is I'm going to share it with you, okay? So <laughs> I, I am so ready, Tim. My gosh, you're 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 the guy. You're the goddess of radio, but I, I mean, I, you're so knowledgeable. I, I just well, thank I, you. Um, well, Mike, I tell so you, I, I can't I can't take credit for this one. This is all this is all of Jeremy and John putting this together. And so let me tell you, folks, if you've got some old speakers and you want to be able to bring them into the uh, 21st century, is that we're going to post some links for what Mike's going to be using, and you might be able to use this stuff too over inside the Q and A forum inside the Commando community. And it's free to browse; you do have to pay to post, and it's just a few bucks a month. But again, that's commando.com slash community. And Mike will send that out to you directly. And thank you so much for your call. It's always fun to help people out. Over at amazon.com slash renewed, that's where you can buy expertly refurbished products at really low prices. And most of them are guaranteed for at least 90 days. Once again, that's amazon.com slash renewed. But I want you to make sure that you pay attention because they have like new, new, but like new and new is totally different, means different things to different people. Again, but if you want to check it out, just shop smartly at amazon.com slash renew. Hey, be sure to tell three friends about the Kim Commando Show and podcast because knowledge is power. You can find me 24-7 at commando.com. This program is a copyrighted production of Westar Multimedia Entertainment and protected by the copyright laws. Any rebroadcast or use of this program for commercial, business, economic, or financial purposes without the written permission of Westar Multimedia Entertainment is strictly prohibited.